0: Hello everybody. Thank you for joining us today. I am Dr. Richard Vivedi from ZenOnco.io and Love Heals Cancer. Today's session is about creating awareness around cancer. Let me first introduce you to ZenOnco.io and Love Heals Cancer. We guide cancer patients in their journey with cancer. We aim to improve the quality of life of cancer patients through an integrative oncology approach that includes both medical and complementary treatments. We provide end-to-end care to cancer patients and also help in their counseling sessions, medical cannabis, anti-cancer diet, Ayurveda, pain and palliative care. For today's session, we're joined by Dr. Michel Parekh, the youngest musculoskeletal oncologist in the country. He completed his MBBS and MS orthopedics from B.Y. Patel Medical College. He pursued his postdoctoral from Texela American University. He also has a fellowship Orthopedic Oncology from Tata Memorial and a short fellowship from the University of Florida. He has several publications under his name and has also co-authored a book. Hello, sir. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me here.
0: Yes, sir. So would you like to say anything before we begin with the Q&A session?
1: So I would uh, like to you know, let everybody know that uh, this session is going to be about musculoskeletal oncology. Uh, you know, we will be answering certain questions that can help uh, patients and caregivers, you know, some sort of knowledge in a very sort of a rare tumor field. You know, it is not as common as other cancers, but it is definitely there. And with our population, the numbers are enough. So I hope this helps. And uh, if if anything in future also is required, I'll be ready to help.
0: All right, Thank you. Uh, So, sir, let's first begin with the basics. I mean, can you help us understand what are orthopedic cancers? I mean, which is the age group which is commonly affected by these cancers?
1: So, orthopedic cancers, you know, they are musculoskeletal. So, if you see by the name, it is not only bone, but also soft tissue. So, your connective tissues, basically. And these are mostly called sarcomas. So, you know, if you hear about cancer patients or cancers around, they are all called carcinomas, whereas orthopedic cancers are mostly sarcomas. And uh, you know these are cancers that affect the bone as well as the soft tissues like the muscles, the tendons, you know, the nerve sheath, etc. And uh, as far as age groups are concerned, you now the most common bone cancers, which are bone sarcomas, that is osteosarcoma and eating sarcoma, they are mostly seen in pediatric to adolescent age group. So you can say somewhere around 8 years to 20-25 years. Now this is the most commonly affected age group because uh, it happens while the child is growing, while the bones are growing. And then there are some orthopedic tumors which are not that lethal or malignant. They are benign like giant cell tumors which are seen in normal adults like 20 years to 50 years of age group. And then there is a sarcoma called as a chondrosarcoma which affects usually the you know, the age group that is, say, 40 to 70. And for soft soft tissue sarcomas, there is no age group as such, but it is rarely seen in children. Soft tissue sarcomas are usually seen in adults from, say, 20 years to 70 years, whatever. And then also what comes under the spectrum of orthopedic cancers is, you know, the skin cancer that is the squamous cell carcinoma and melanomas which are you know under the roof of orthopedic oncology okay. so these are again soft tissues they are not directly affecting the bones but they are a form of cancer that an orthopedic oncologist would treat
0: okay all right so sir I orthopedic uh, cancers and is actually the same thing only the name like we calling it orthopedic cancers here
1: so, so maybe for a common man uh, or for the general public Uh, What comes under orthopedic cancers would be sarcomas and metastatic cancers that have come to the bones from elsewhere. Say like a patient of CA breast may have some bony metastasis and that would require an orthopedic oncologist to treat her. So that is also an orthopedic cancer but not a primary uh, orthopedic cancer. It is a secondary orthopedic cancer coming from a carcinoma and not a sarcoma
0: so so how often
1: do these orthopedic cancers metastasize uh, if you go to see osteosarcoma Ewing's sarcoma they are you know very rapidly growing very uh, high grade and very aggressive and if not caught in time if not treated in time uh, many of these cancers metastasize and usually to the lungs which makes it difficult to treat because once it goes into the lungs the treatment becomes you know I mean, we have limitations and our challenge increases in trying to get the patient cancer-free. Mm-hmm. And if you talk in terms of statistics or how often they metastatize, I would say uh, say 20% of these patients, if they report a little late, they always come with metastasis, uh, metastasis at presentation. Mm-hmm. And you could say 50% of these patients, even if they are not metastatic to present with, under treatment or during treatment or maybe just after treatment, they do have a chance to metatest.
0: Okay. Uh, And sir, what are some early signs and symptoms of uh, these cancers, the orthopedic cancers?
1: So, so, uh, what we, you know, do in our counseling and what we talk to general public is that any swelling which has come without any injury, Usually you will not get a swelling without getting hurt, right? Mm -hmm. It cannot just come. So any swelling that has come without any injury persists for a long time and grows in size. This this is something that, you know, warns you that no, you need to get investigated or then later on be treated. So for bone cancers and soft tissue sarcomas, Mm -hmm. swelling with or without pain, without any reason, and which gradually increases in size is one and one of the most and most important signs of you getting an orthopedic cancer. Some of these swellings come with pain, some of them are painless, some of them have a history of injury around it. So maybe you have you've been getting a you know sarcoma, but uh, it is still in a very intermediate or preliminary stage, and it is not causing any trouble. But a small injury can lead to it becoming more aggressive and then catching the eye. So, uh, in, in broad terms, we can say any swelling, painful or painless, that has occurred without any reason and doesn't go away in some time, and then gradually increases in size, this is what is the sign of you getting a bone or a soft tissue sarcoma. Okay,
0: And, sir, what are the common risks which are associated with uh, sarcomas?
1: Common risk, because it is a bony thing, what happens it, it weakens your bones, it uh, it produces a swelling which can affect the skin, it can burst out of the skin and you know, your you can have skin loss, it can keep on growing inside, make your bones so weak that you have a pathological fracture. Also, because it is growing from the bone, the bone weakens, you. the bone softens and then it goes into your soft tissue. Your blood vessels, your nerves, which are right there along the bone, they can get involved. Sometimes we have tumors with soft tissue components that are, you know, uh, in you know the kind of encroaching upon the neurovascular bundle, like the artery, the vein, the nerve. And sometimes then these bundles are inside or enclosed in these uh, tumor cells, which makes surgery very difficult. So the risk factors include pathological fractures bursting of the skin, bleeding and involvement of the neurovascular bundle.
0: Uh, So you also perform needle biopsies for bone tumors. So can you help us understand this needle biopsy for bone tumors better?
1: So uh, the first and foremost step towards diagnosing a bone cancer is a tissue diagnosis which only a biopsy can give. So you can get X-rays, you can get MRIs, you can get CT scans, which give us a picture that something wrong is happening. But what wrong is happening that only a biopsy can tell. So when you do a biopsy, obtain tissue, you get a diagnosis. Now the way to get a diagnosis or a way to do a biopsy, needle biopsy is the best method because it it is like a keyhole surgery. You do not need any big cut, you do not need big anesthesia, you do not need hospitalization. So... Planning out on imaging like X ray and MRI, you can insert a small Jamshedi needle. That is what it is called. A bone biopsy needle is called a Jamshedi needle. So, you insert a Jamshedi needle into the lesion with a minimal one centimeter cut that is required for the needle to pass through the skin under local anesthesia. And you obtain enough tissue from the tumor cells that will give us a tissue diagnosis and then help us plan the treatment for the patient. Now, this is something that is not very new. But yes, uh, it is not very common because many many orthopedic surgeons or many surgeons would do an open biopsy which is traditional teaching. I mean, nobody is wrong because that is what books have mentioned over these years that when in doubt, do an open biopsy which is like a small surgery. Now, what happens in an open biopsy is that tissue, that is tumor cells, it contaminates your normal tissues as well because when you open, everything mixes. In a needle biopsy, the, it is still closed everything is enclosed in that you know, lesional tissue and you are just getting out some tumor tissue for diagnosis via a needle so needle biopsy is preferred over an open biopsy unless three or four times you fail to get tissue via needle biopsy it is very safe it is not a surgical procedure so there is no blood loss involved it is very economical also because it is not a hospitalization you can do it in a opd basis setup or in a small clinic also so needle biopsy is the diagnostic step in getting you know started with the treatment of bone tumors okay
0: so sir we've heard about bone marrow biopsies. so are these needle biopsies for bone tumors different from a bone marrow biopsy
1: so if you see the procedure or the needle that we use per se it it is almost the same uh, they are both germ needles, a little bit change in the you know uh, structure of those needles because bone marrow biopsy is done for a different purpose. Mm-hmm. So bone marrow biopsy is usually done for hematological disorders, you know, like blood cancers, myelomas, leukemias, lymphomas, all those things. But the way of doing it is almost the same. In a bone marrow biopsy, you also aspirate blood, which is then sent for testing apart from the bone marrow that comes in biopsy as tissue. So, bone biopsy and a bone marrow biopsy from a practitioner point of view or a skill point of view is the same. But the purpose is different and very minute changes in the uh, what you call the structure of the needle. Okay. But bone marrow biopsy is not done to diagnose bone tumors.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, so, sir, uh, you like also specialized in limb salvage techniques. Uh, so, can you like help us understand what are a few indications of these techniques and when they are done?
1: So, so, in any musculoskeletal tumor, which happens in the extremities, that is your arms, forearms, you know, patients or nobody would want that part to be chopped off because it is cancerous. And with today's uh, advancement in technology, in skills and the backup that we have with chemotherapy and radiation therapy, we can go ahead and plan, do a surgery in which we remove the tumor completely without leaving behind anything in the body. Yet, do not cut or chop off any part of the body. So, this is limb salvage. So, where you are salvaging the limb, yet removing the tumor completely. So, oncologically safe and functionally, you are giving the patient the benefit of the limb. And the indications for limb salvage, well, in today's time, uh, it is almost 90% of the tumors that we see, uh, we can do limb salvage. Uh, Usually, there is a contraindication to limb salvage, which includes involvement of the neurovascular bundle to such an extent that resecting and reconstructing would lead to oncological disadvantage of, you know, being tumor free or would lead to some other complications which would be worse than you know having that limb preserved rather than getting it chopped off then you could say that if my limb salvage surgery is not going to give you function i don't want to do it just for the sake of it so say the tumor is large it is involving a lot of muscles a lot of structures around the bone will go away when i remove the tumor and what i'm left with is just skin and some few muscles which are not going to act because its main connections have been cut. So, if the origin insertions are cut, the muscle belly is not there or somewhere, you are going to end up having a limb just for the show and it will not work. So, such type of limb salvage is, you know, sometimes called an extended indication, but it doesn't really help to have a limb that is non-functional. So, whenever you can give function, you always try to do a limb salvage in a way that the limb salvage really means something. So in any musculoskeletal tumour like a bone sarcoma or a soft tissue sarcoma, limb salvage surgery is the aim that a surgeon goes in ahead with. But there is some chance that there may be amputation during surgery. There is some chance that you have to explain the patient before surgery that 10% times you may end up not being able to salvage your limb. And like I said, the indications of limb salvage are where you can dissect the tumour completely without leaving anything in the body. Save all the critical structures like the nerve, the artery, the vein, which are going to be function to the limb. Preserve function, you know, giving muscles or muscle groups, which will end up, patient, patient will end up using that limb if it is salvaged. So, these would be the indications of limb salvage. And a contraindication, like I said, is that if the neurovascular bundle is involved, if the skin is so bad, if the function is not going to be there, then we might as well ampute and you know give the patient a life and use of prosthesis for whatever you know cosmetic or functional purposes they can get in future
0: okay all right uh, but sir what role do grafts play when it comes to orthopedic cancers and sarcomas
1: so graft as in are you talking about a bone graft or a vessel graft or or in general
0: so, in general like what i mean what are the common so, graphs which are used
1: what we do is there is a bone graft hmm. okay we have bone from our own body that is you know that we can use as an autograft so many a times it happens in fracture surgeries where the bone has fractured into so many small small pieces that we have to put in extra bone from somewhere in the body and fill those gaps hmm. in tumors what happens is most of the times when
0: So, your voice is breaking
1: a segment of the bone.
0: Sir, can you just hold on? Your voice is actually breaking. Uh, So, sir, what role do graphs play in orthopedic cancers?
1: So grafts are of different types, you know, there is a bone graft, there is a skin graft, there is a vessel graft. So in orthopedic oncology, all of them are useful. So let's start with bone grafts. Mm -hmm. What happens is usually in trauma surgeries where there are fractures and the bones are broken into very small, small pieces and it becomes like a very, you know, bag of bone kind of a thing. Uh, We have been using bone grafts traditionally, whether from the patient's body or maybe artificial bone grafts or bone graft substitutes in orthopedic oncology what happens is when we remove tumor, there's a huge bone loss say five ten centimeters of tumor that is coming out we leave a lot of gap between the two ends of the bone and that can be filled with bone graft so there are uh, if you say for orthopedic oncology bone graft we can use a fibula Uh, you know fibula is the bone in the leg which is used to fill these gaps and it can be used in two ways one is just take out the fibula and put it And maybe supplement with the plate or something so that you know that fibula will hold the place and you know uh, fill the gap. Also one way to do it is that we take the fibula with its blood vessels. And we then do uh, anastomosis of these blood vessels with the blood vessels of that part wherever we are putting them. So maybe we have taken out the arm bone, the humerus. Mm -hmm. And then we need to put in a fibula. So we have main blood vessels there. So the fibula blood vessels are then anastomosed to those blood vessels, and then the fibula actually grows in size with the growth of the child and takes the shape of the humerus bone. So this is called like a vascularized fibula. So this is a bone graft, either used without its vascularization or with its vascularization. Also, we use sometimes morselized bone grafts. So we take out bone graft from iliac crest or you know olecranon in small quantities. We prepare them. And then we use them to fill defects that are created after, say, curetage of a benign giant cell tumor or a chondroblastoma. These are some benign tumors in which we do not have to remove the bone completely, but we can clean that part, which is called curetage. Now, with an extended curetage, we remove all the diseased bone and some normal bone, and that gap can be filled with bone graft. So, allograft, autograft, these are various forms. Allograft is something that is uh, human bone, but not the patient's bone. It is somebody's donated bone, maybe some adult who got, you know, an old patient who got a neck femur fracture and we replaced the proximal femur for that patient and then neck part is then sent to the, you know, tissue bank, processed and that becomes like an allograft. Also, in amputation patients, we can, you know, harvest those bones and those whole long, long bones can be used as bone grafts. So, these are very useful in many, many, uh, you know, orthopedic oncology procedures where we have a large defect of bone uh, uh, bone grafts. Now we go to, say, skin graft. So skin graft is something that will replace the skin. Sometimes soft tissue sarcomas, uh, you know, they are so big in size that they break open the skin and fungate out. And then when we remove the whole thing, the defect that remains is just the skin. Maybe they are superficial tumors and the muscles beneath are not involved and everything inside remains intact. So we need to cover that part so we need a skin graft. Now again, the skin graft is taken from the patient's own you know, thigh or some other place which is feasible. Now also there are synthetic skin graft materials available. You know, when extensive skin loss is there, there are uh, you know synthetic grafts also available. Sometimes we use placenta. Placenta is the product, you know, during pregnancy, which are again harvested and submitted to the tissue bank, which are processed. They also act very nicely like once patients. You know, they put that on that burnt skin and this takes up the role of the skin and becomes like a new skin in the, you know, due course of time. So bone grafts, skin graft. Now there are vessel grafts. Vessel grafts is like we you know, mentioned earlier that sometimes these tumors go into the vessel. And if that area of involvement is small, we can plan to remove those blood vessels with the tumor. So for some time, the blood supply to that limb is stopped uh, during surgery under control. We remove the whole thing and that defect can be filled with a graft, a vessel graft. So, maybe we can take a vein graft from the patient's own body which is usually done for cardiac procedures like a bypass surgery or something like that. They do vein grafting. So, we can use the vein graft to do vessel reconstruction. Also, there are synthetic vessel grafts available like PTFE or something which are in various which are used to reconstruct the vessels like the vein and the artery so you know grafts are of very uh, you know good significant importance in orthopedic oncology procedures when we are attempting limb salvage because i don't want to give you a limb that is salvage but that looks say half the size of the other limb it is not going to look nice you will not going you are not accepting it and then the whole procedure is a waste so these things help fill defects whether it is segmental length defect of the bone Or the skin defect, or maybe the vascular reconstruction that is done to fill those gaps in the blood vessels.
0: Okay. So, sir, what is like the common time duration that a surgery of you know limb salvage lasts? Like how long do these surgeries last?
1: So, for for a sarcoma where we are doing excision or resection of that bony segment and reconstruction, uh, depending on the size of the tumor, sometimes it takes. Anywhere around 45 minutes to two, two and a half hours for removal of that tumor and say another hour or one and a half hours for reconstruction. So on an average, uh, you know, you can say four hours is the average time for any limb salvage surgery where you are dealing with malignant tumors in which you are resecting and reconstructing. At the same time, there are some benign tumors which require like a total extended curettage and then reconstruction. Maybe the whole thing can get done in two hours. Okay. There are some surgeries which involve the pelvic bone.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: Pelvic bone tumor surgeries, they are very extensive, sometimes they can go up to eight hours.
0: Okay. Uh, So, sir, while I was going through your profile, I realized you've achieved so much at a very young age. I mean, what more are you aspiring to achieve in the future?
1: Well, thank you very much, but I mean, uh, there is a lot more to achieve. I don't think I've achieved a lot as of now. Yes, uh, this being a very niche subspeciality, not many people venture into it. Uh, it is a very rare tumor also to you know begin with, so uh, very less number of patients around in terms of other cancers. If you talk about incidence, maybe there is one percent of all cancer is bone cancer. Mm. So you can understand what the you know ratio or proportion of these tumors in the population. And hence, less people venture into doing it as a full-time profession, where you're going to have less patients, where the outcomes are always guarded, you will not be very satisfied, neither your patient will be very satisfied. So, we are very few in the country and maybe that is why it helped, you know, me achieve a little bit in this, you know, short span of time. But, well, it's a long way to go. I have still a lot to learn and, you know, a lot more things to do. But uh, since you asked, I think uh, what has come new into this field is navigation, and maybe 3D printed implants, which uh, you know make surgery very very precise and give more functional benefit to the patient without risking oncological outcomes. So you know, uh, since it is a new technology coming into our country, and It will take time for it to become a routine practice i would want to you know grow with time and be able to do those type of surgeries in the you know uh, near future
0: okay so before we conclude i mean since you're the youngest musculoskeletal surgeon that we have who has been your favorite mentor in this journey so far
1: so i have been trained at the tata memorial hospital
0: Hmm. where
1: you know i had two mentors Uh, Dr. Ajay Puri was the principal guide and Dr. Ashish Mm Gulia who was probably more of a mentor come godfather to me. Being the younger of the two, you know, there is a little less gap and you can connect more. So I would say Dr. Ashish Gulia has been the mentor to me. But Dr. Ajay Puri and Dr. Ashish Gulia together have, you know, molded me into what I am today. And like I always say to my colleagues and my friends, that I was, you know, I got my orthopedic degree with my masters, but I became a surgeon because of these two people at Tata Memorial Hospital.
0: I'm sure they'll feel very proud after they see this interview, sir. So, I think uh, this was a very informative session, sir. I mean, people must have become aware about sarcomas. Like you said, not many people are aware about it. So, I would like to thank you for joining us today. And it was a pleasure talking to you, sir. Same
1: here. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much, sir.